0: We now go to questions to the Prime Minister. The questions to the Prime Minister, I will first call the Prime Minister to answer the engagements question. I will then call Anna McMoran
1: to ask her supplementary. Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I, I know that you've been updated by my officials on Privy council terms on the leak investigation that you also referred to in the House on the 2nd of November. As you know, Mr Speaker, I take this matter extremely seriously and i commit to returning to update the house in due course mr speaker this morning i had virtual meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my virtual duties uh, in this house i shall have further such meetings later today thank you
0: This pandemic has shown how interconnected and vulnerable we are to global challenges. When we are still grappling with Covid, the climate emergency, growing hunger, why is this government reported to be breaking its own manifesto commitment and cutting the aid budget, which saves lives and builds resilience? So will the Prime Minister stop this retreat from the global stage and take this opportunity to rule that out here and now?
1: Yeah. Prime well, Minister. Uh, Thank you, Mr Speaker. I can tell the Honourable Lady I think everybody in this country can be immensely proud of the massive commitments that this country has made and will continue to make to tackling poverty and deprivation around the world. But I think they can be uh, even prouder of the commitment that we are now making uh leading the world to tackle the threat of of climate change and uh, the investment we're making, whether through ODA or other means in tackling uh, that problem, is second to none across the world. It is the UK that is leading the world in tackling, I think, one of the greatest problems that this planet faces.
0: Returning to Romford with Andrew Rosendale. Andrew Rosendahl. Press the button, Andrew. Right. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, The Prime Minister will know that my constituents in Romford have put up with a dangerous junction and flyover at Gallows Corner, which was meant to be only a temporary structure, but has been there for 50 years. The Prime Minister has been there with me when he was Mayor of London. So as part of this government's plans to build back better, will the Prime Minister commit today to stepping in where Sadiq Khan has failed, bankrupting TfL by the tune... Of ten billion, and guarantee the necessary funding to replace and reshape this junction, especially as it will form a major route to and from the new Lower Thames Crossing. We go back to the Prime Minister, Prime Minister.
1: Mr. Well, Speaker, my my honourable friend is absolutely right that it's the current Labour uh, Mayor of London who blew. TFL's finances, which were left in remarkably good condition by the previous uh, Mayor of London, um, Mr. Speaker, even before the, the pandemic struck. And uh, I, can, I can assure my honourable uh, my friend that uh, TFL, uh, we are working uh, with TFL, Tom and will be working uh, with TFL uh, to see what we can do to resolve the problem at Gallows' corner of the T he mentions. And we will, of course, update him in due course.
0: We know girls, the Leader of the Opposition, Right Honourable Keir Starmer.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I start by sending my best wishes to the Prime Minister and all those across the country who are doing the right thing by following the rules and self isolating? Mr. Speaker, devolution in Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland is one of the proudest achievements of the last Labour Government. Until now, whatever our disagreements, there's been a very broad consensus about devolution. So why did the Prime Minister tell his MPs this week that Scottish devolution is, in his words, a disaster?
1: Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I think what has unquestionably been a disaster is the way in which the Scottish Nationalist Party have taken and used devolution as a a means not to improve the lives of their constituents, not to address their... Uh, their health concerns, not to improve uh, education in Scotland, but constantly, and I know this is actually a point of view that is shared uh, by the right honourable gentleman who leads uh, for the opposition, uh, but constantly to campaign for the breakup
3: of our country and to turn devolution, uh, otherwise a sound
1: policy from which I myself personally uh, benefited by. Uh, when I was running London, but turned devolution into a mission uh, to break up the UK. And that, in my view, would be a disaster. If he, if he doesn't think that would be a disaster, then perhaps he could say so now.
0: Could, 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 could I just say it's the Scottish National Party, not the Nationalist Party? Otherwise, the phones will be ringing longer now. Ah, so uh, I'm
1: saying, I'm sorry, sorry. The National, but Non-Nationalist, I see. Right.
0: We can play pedantics another time. Keir Starmer.
2: Mr Speaker, the single threat, biggest threat to the future of the United Kingdom is the Prime Minister every time he opens his mouth when the Prime Minister, When the Prime Minister said he wanted to take back control, nobody thought he meant from the Scottish people. But the Prime Minister's quote is very clear. He said devolution has been a disaster north of the border. This isn't an isolated incident, whether it is the Internal Market Bill the way the Prime Minister sidelined the devolved Parliaments over the Covid response, the Prime Minister is seriously undermining the fabric of the United Kingdom. So instead of talking down devolution, does he agree that we need far greater devolution of powers and resources across the United Kingdom? We don't go back. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I think it it is...
1: It's uh, Danny Blair himself, uh, the, the former Labour leader, who has conceded that he did not foresee the rise of a separatist uh, party uh, he, in Scotland. He did not foresee the collapse of of Scottish Labour, uh, Mr Speaker. And uh, I think the Right Honourable Gentleman is quite right. There can be uh, great advantages in devolution, and I was very proud uh, when I was running a a devolved administration in in London to do things in which I passionately believed, like improving public transport and fighting crime and improving housing for my constituents. And we had a great deal of success. And what disappoints me is that the Scottish National Party, Mr Speaker, uh, by by your... Uh, your ruling on their correct name, uh, the Scottish National Party, Mr Speaker, is is not engaging in that basic work. Instead, they are campaigning to break up the union, an objective that I hope uh, the leader of the opposition will repudiate. Uh, will he say so now that he opposes the up of the United Kingdom?
0: It, it's not a ruling, it's a matter of
2: fact. Of course I don't want the breakup of the Union, the United Kingdom, but if anything, if anything is fuelling that breakup, it's the Prime Minister. Turning, turning now to the Prime Minister's handling of the pandemic, the Prime Minister is doing the right thing by self-isolating after being notified by Track and Trace. But does he think he would have been able to do so if, like so many other people across the country, all he had to rely on for the next 14 days was either statutory sick pay which is £95 a week, that's £13 a day, or a one-off payment of £500, which works out at £35 a day.
1: Prime Minister. uh, It's good finally to uh, hear something from the right hon. Gentleman in praise of uh, NHS Test and Trace. I think they've secured uh, at least one of his objectives, which keep me away from from answering his questions in in person. Uh, what I can say to him is that uh, I believe that the package that we have in place to protect people and support people throughout this crisis has been outstanding and uh, exceptional. I think that the UK has uh, put its arms, as I've uh, said many times, around the people of this country a £200 billion package of support, increasing the living wage by record amounts, uplifting uh, universal. Credit um, many, many loans and grants to businesses uh, of all kinds and support for people who are self-isolating. Uh, £500 uh, of support in addition to all the other, uh, all the other benefits uh, and support that we get. I do think it's a, a reasonable package, Mr Speaker. I know it's tough uh, for people who have to self-isolate and I'm glad that uh, after a long time in which he simply attacked NHS uh, tests and trace, he seems now to be coming around and supporting it.
0: Kirsty
2: Mr Speaker I'm not going to take lectures on supporting the lockdown measures were passed the other week with labor votes 32 of his own MPs broke a three line whip and I hear that about 50 of them have joined a WhatsApp group to work out how they're going to oppose him next time round he should be thanking us for our support not criticizing <laughs> And As he well knows, so far as the £500 scheme is concerned, only one in eight workers qualifies for that scheme. The Prime Minister always does this, talking about the number of people he's helping, but ignoring the huge numbers falling through the gap. Members here may be able to afford to self-isolate, but that's not the case for many people across the country who send us here. It's estimated that only about 11% of people self-isolate when they're asked to do so. 11%. That isn't because they don't want to. It's because many don't feel that they can afford to. So, for example, if you're a self employed plumber, a construction worker, a photographer, and you don't qualify for social security benefits, or you run a small business and you can't work from home, you're likely to see a significant cut to your income if you have to self isolate. This is affecting many families across the country. Does the Prime Minister recognise that if we want to increase the number of people who isolate, we need to make it easier and affordable for people to do so? Going back
0: to the Prime uh, Minister.
1: Yeah, Mr Speaker, again, I do think that it is extraordinary that he's now coming out in favour of NHS tests and Trace when he's continuously attacked it. In fact, the numbers that he gives for the success rate of NHS uh, of the self-isolation programme are, uh, in, uh, according to my information, way too low. Uh, but we continue to encourage people to do the right thing. It, it does break the chain of transmission of the Of the disease. And as for the self employed groups that he uh, mentions, we've given 13.5 billion pounds so far in support for self employed people, uh, uplifted universal credit uh, in the way that I have described. And what we want to do is to get the virus under control, get the R down uh, below one, which is the purpose of these current measures, uh, encourage people to self-isolate in the way that uh, that I am, and thereby stop the disease from spreading, so that uh, the firms, the professions, the, the businesses that he he talks about can get back to, their, uh, to something as close to normality as soon as possible. In the meantime, we are giving them every possible support, Mr Speaker.
0: Mr,
2: Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister must understand there's a huge gap in the system, yeah. because if you can't afford to isolate there's little point in being tested or traced. And whilst the Prime Minister and Chancellor won't pay people enough to isolate properly, we learnt this week that they can find £21 million of taxpayers' money to pay a go-between to deliver a lucrative contract to the Department of Health. £21 million. I remind the Prime Minister that a few weeks ago he couldn't find that amount of money for free school meals for kids over half term. Does the Prime Minister think that £21 £21 million to a middleman was an acceptable use of taxpayers' money?
1: Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, when this crisis began, we were being urged by the Right Honourable Gentleman to remove the blockages in our procurement uh, process in order to get PPE. And we were facing, as as he will remember, a very difficult situation where, across the world, there there were not adequate supplies of PPE. Nobody had uh, enough PPE. We shifted heaven and earth to get 32 billion items of PPE into this country. I'm very proud of what has been achieved. 70% of PPE is now made in this country or capable of being made in this country when it was only 1% at the beginning of the, of the pandemic. And it's entirely uh, typical, I may say, of, uh, of, of Captain Hindsight that he now attacks our efforts to, to procure PPE. Uh, says we, we went too fast. Uh, when uh, he now says that uh, we... sex oh, says then that we were not going fast enough and now says uh, that we went too fast. He should make his mind up.
0: Keir
2: He talks about hindsight. I say catch up. I called for a circuit breaker. The Prime Minister stood there and said it'd be a disaster. He wasn't going to do it. Then he caught up and did exactly that just a few weeks later. We've now got a longer, harder lockdown as a result of his delay. So I won't take that from him. Last week the Prime Minister could not explain, explain how his Government ended up paying £150 million on contracts that did not deliver a single piece of usable PPE. This week he is effectively defending the paying of £21 million on a contract with no oversight. This morning the Independent National Audit Office concluded that the Government's approach was, in their words, diminished public transparency. They reported that more than half of all contracts relating to the pandemic, Mr Speaker, that's totalling 10.5 billion pounds were handed out without competitive tender and that suppliers with political connections were 10 times more likely to be awarded contracts. Mr Speaker, we're 8 months into this crisis and the government is still making the same mistakes. Can the Prime Minister give a cast iron assurance that from now on, from now on, all government contracts will be subject to proper process, with full transparency and accountability. Thank
1: yeah, you, yeah, yeah. all government contracts are of course going to be published in, the, uh, in a due way and are, are already uh, being published. But again, I must say, I think it's extraordinary that uh, he now attacks the government for securing PPE in huge quantities. And I, I want to thank again all the people who are involved in that effort. Uh, Lord Dighton and literally thousands of others who built up a mountain of PPE against uh, any further crisis. And uh, he talks about uh, transparency and, and moving uh, too fast to secure uh, contracts. So he, the shadow chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster actually uh, wrote to the government attacking them us for failing to approach various companies, including a football agent uh, who was apparently offering to supply ventilators, and a historical clothing manufacturing company who, uh, who currently make, uh, who is offering to make one hundred and seventy-five gowns per week, and whose current uh, range includes sixteenth-century uh, silk bodices. Uh, again, Mr. Speaker, you know, at the time uh, he bashed the government uh, for not moving fast enough. Uh, It's absolutely absurd that he's now, in hindsight, he's now once again uh, trying to score party political points, score political points, by attacking us for moving too fast. I'm proud of what we did to secure huge quantities of PPE during a pandemic. Any government would do the same.
0: Prime Minister, we're now going to Carl McCartney.
2: Thank you, Speaker. I feel like a positive rose between two negative thorns today. I'm sure my right honourable friend is aware of recent successes that Lincoln City Football Club, the pride of my constituency, have enjoyed. Unfortunately, COVID 19 has hit football hard, especially those clubs dependent on cricket sales. Can my right honourable friend urge his Cabinet colleagues to review grant funding for football clubs, maybe outlining how we can return fans to matches at all levels of the game, as I have requested in previous correspondence? And as it, and as, as it has been a while since the Prime Minister visited Lincoln, would he care to join me in an imps match
1: when we can return in person as fans of the beautiful game? Prime Minister. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I will. Uh, I can tell you that we don't want any uh, football team to uh, go out of business as, as a result of this pandemic, and we're doing everything we can. I understand the frustration of fans, and we want to get crowds back into the ground uh, as soon as possible. As for his invitation to come and watch uh, the imps, I will. Uh, I will uh, do whatever I can to oblige uh, as soon as possible. i bear his invitation in mind. We
0: now come to the leader of the SNP, Ian Blackford.
3: Mr Speaker, can I wish the Prime Minister and all those that are self-isolating well? Mr Speaker, over the past 20 years, Westminster has imposed an extreme Brexit, an illegal war in Iraq, £9,000 tuition fees, the Windrush scandal, the rape clause, the bedroom tax and a decade of Tory austerity cuts, which have pushed millions into poverty. At the same time, the Scottish Parliament has delivered free prescriptions, free tuition fees, free personal care, free bus travel, the baby box, the Scottish child payment, world-leading climate action, all of which made Scotland a fairer and more equal place to live. Does the Prime Minister understand why the people in Scotland think it is him and his Parliament that are the real disaster? Prime Minister.
1: Well, Mr Speaker I, I respectfully refer the right or the answer I gave to the leader of the opposition I, I may say that I do think that his policies of wanting to break up the union uh, are a disaster and I wish he would i wish he and his party would focus on the real priorities of the people of Scotland on education on health on tackling crime and the, and, and housing and the issues that Matter to all our people. That's what a devolved government should do. I was very proud to, to run a devolved administration and that's what we focused on. We didn't endlessly go on about constitutional change and the breakup of the UK.
3: Jim Blackford. My goodness, I'm not sure if the Prime Minister was listening because I just charted some of the achievements of the yeah. Scottish Government delivering on behalf of the people of Scotland. Mr. Speaker, no apology and no regrets from this Prime Minister. His attack on devolution wasn't just a slip of a tongue, it was a slip of the Tory mask. The chasm between Westminster and the Scottish people has never been bigger. We know that these were not just flippant remarks when Scotland faces the biggest threat to devolution with the Tory power grab bill. The fact is, Scotland has been completely ignored by Westminster. We now face an extreme Brexit, a power grab and another round of Tory cuts. All being imposed against our will for a, by a Tory government that we didn't vote for. Exactly. Isn't it the case, Mr. Speaker, that the real disaster facing the people of Scotland is another 20 years of Westminster government? Isn't it clearer than ever that the only way, the only way, Mr. Speaker, to protect Scotland's interests, our Parliament and our place in Europe is for Scotland to become an independent country? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, no, it, it, I, I could not uh, disagree uh,
1: with the Honourable Gentleman more. He is totally, he is totally wrong. Uh, and uh, what the UK does as a whole is far, far bigger, better and more important than what we can do uh, as, as, as individual nations and regions. And uh, I think that actually when you look at the way the UK has pulled together during this pandemic, the way the armed services have worked uh, to get testing throughout the whole of the UK, the way that uh, the furlough scheme has been deployed across the UK, the the billions and billions that have been found to help people uh, across the whole of the UK, businesses in Scotland, in Wales, in Northern Ireland, England, I think that the UK has shown its value and will continue to show its value, Mr Speaker. When he talks about wanting to take uh, Scotland back into the into the European Union, which I think seemed to be what he was uh, saying just now. Uh, what he should understand, what the people sh- of Scotland should understand, is that is a massive surrender of power by the people of Scotland straight back to Brussels, just as this country, just as the people of, of Scotland have taken it back again. And power not just over uh, many aspects of, uh, of their lives and their regulations, but of course, power to control Scottish fisheries as well. And all that uh, will be lost. Uh, Under his programme, and uh, I may say I do not believe it will commend itself to the Scottish people. Uh, It was a programme that was decisively rejected in 2014. I believe uh, that uh, it is uh, something that they would uh, almost certainly reject again, Mr. Speaker. But as uh, he said uh, before, uh, or as certainly as his party said before, Sir Graham Brady! Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, tens of thousands of jobs have already been lost in aviation, and
2: hundreds of thousands more hang in the balance. Will my right honourable friend
1: throw the industry a lifeline by making sure that the government task force reports in time for a testing regime to replace the current quarantine arrangements as we come out of this lockdown on the 3rd of December? Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, we're certainly working very fast to uh, see if we can replace the current quarantine arrangements for every category of, of self-isolation. Whether it will come fast enough for, uh, for me, I don't know, but I'll, I'll keep uh, my right on friend uh, informed of, of, of developments. We certainly want to help the airline industry.
0: Sir Geoffrey Donaldson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, the people of Northern Ireland today will see again the benefits of the union with £165 million invested in rural broadband across Northern Ireland, um, the uh, result of our agreement with the government uh, during the last parliament. Mr Speaker, following on from the current population testing initiative in Liverpool, would the Prime Minister agree that Northern Ireland's 1.8 million population, spread across 11 local government districts, would prove ideal for the next phase of the government's uh, ongoing programme of work on large-scale COVID testing.
1: Lister. Well, I, I, I thank him for his uh, excellent proposal, and uh, he's right that mass testing of that kind is a very powerful uh, weapon in the fight against COVID, and we'll certainly be talking to the, the, uh, the Northern Ireland executive about how to proceed.
0: Gareth Bacon. Mr Speaker, I've been contacted by many constituents who are owners of uh, leasehold flats in buildings under 18 metres in height, uh, which are covered in cladding, and the freeholder has not replaced that cladding or produced an EWS1 form. Some of these residents are desperate to move but can't because their flats are effectively valueless without the form. Can the Prime Minister update the House on what progress is being made by the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors and the National Fire Chiefs Council to develop the urgently needed risk prioritisation matrix... So that my constituents can move on with their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Prime Minister,
1: uh, well, Mr. Speaker, I, I, I have deep sympathies with people who face this uh, this problem, and uh, it is it is not right or fair because if your building is under 18 metres, you don't need one of these EWS uh, one forms, and, I, and you would hope the lenders would uh, would understand that. But we're working as fast as we can to make sure that all the buildings uh, in question are identified and that we remove cladding wherever it's it's necessary and give uh, assurance and uh, security wherever that is necessary too.
0: Thank
3: you, Mr. Speaker. Government plans to scrap the Union Learning Fund means that thousands of workers, around 200,000 a year, many of them low paid, will miss out on training opportunities. With unemployment levels rising, Will the Prime Minister today act on his commitment to offer a lifetime skills guarantee to help people train and retrain at any stage in their lives and reverse this decision to ensure working people can access education, training and skills for the future? Yeah.
0: Prime Minister?
1: Well, well, Mr Speaker, that's exactly what we announced uh, only, only, a couple of, only a few weeks ago. With the, the Lifetime Skills Guarantee, the purpose of the Lifetime Skills Guarantee is to make sure that if you, uh, if you, if you're over 23, and you're currently not eligible uh, for support from the government in uh, getting a new skill or a new qualification. We will now uh, pay you uh, for that skill. We'll support you. Uh, we want people, uh, as uh, particularly in the context of this pandemic, we want to help train and retrain people uh, throughout their lives so that they can adjust to our to our changing economy. She's making a very good point
2: thank you, Mr. Speaker. In order to truly level up constituencies like mine in Lincolnshire, we will need to mobilise billions of private capital to help us pay for new infrastructure investment. Will the Prime Minister consider launching a new financial institution, such as a national development bank, to help achieve this?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Hi, uh, I'm grateful to my honourable friend for what he's doing to campaign for for, for Grantham and for Lincolnshire. And I can tell him that we're putting another £155 million into Greater Lincolnshire uh, through the growth deals, another £25 million through the Getting Building Fund. And uh, we will be bringing forward further measures, uh, and I, I take his point uh, on Board Graces, that he will be bringing forward further measures to boost investment in uh, UK infrastructure in due course.
0: We're going up to Ealing North with James Murray. James Murray.
1: Mr Speaker, in March, the government chief scientific officer said that keeping COVID deaths below 20,000 would be a good outcome, but still an enormous number of deaths. We've now passed 50,000 deaths and suffered the deepest recession of any G7 country with GDP dropping by 10% in the last year. Why does the prime minister think the UK has had the deepest recession in the G7 and the highest number of COVID deaths in Europe? Minister. Uh, a global pandemic, and uh, one in which the uh, the UK has, uh, as as he rightly says, uh, been badly affected, and we mourn uh, every every life that has has been lost. And of course, uh, we are supporting uh, businesses with all the far, and and individuals with all the far part of the UK economy. But I've got absolutely no doubt that we will get through this strongly uh, by next spring, as uh, uh, the scientific advisors and the medical officers have said. Uh, We have the tools to do it. We have the scientific uh, weaponry uh, to do it. Uh, And that is why uh, we're engaged in the current restrictions to get the R down, uh, to suppress uh, the virus now and to try to get the economy moving uh, in the way that I'm sure he would like.
0: Mark Pawsey. Thank you, Mr Speaker.
2: Uh, Most of our fabulous independent retailers in rugby are currently closed due to Covid restrictions and while they appreciate the very welcome financial support provided by the government, they're concerned that uh, supermarkets and multiple retailers continue to sell the same products as them, uh, uh, homeware and clothing. This has enabled them to generate substantial profits whilst at the same time they've had a holiday on the payment of business rates. I wonder whether the Prime Minister would agree with me that there should be fairness between retailers, and with the government spending £200 million, billion pounds, billion pounds, to support businesses and people in these very tough times, it would be a welcome gesture from multiples who continue to trade to volunteer to pay their business rate.
1: Well, uh, I, I understand the point that he, that he makes and, uh, and, the, and the feeling of unfairness. That he, that he describes, and uh, what we're trying to do—what we're trying to do uh, with the, the business rate holiday and all the other measures that we've announced—is to help all uh, retailers. Uh, and uh, the best thing we can do is to get through this tough period uh, as, as, as well as we possibly can, and allow uh, all retailers to, to reopen and to give them our support with our customer. That's that's what we're aiming for.
0: We're now going up to Scotland with an audio only, Margaret Furray.
3: Thank you, Mr Speaker. My constituent applied for the EU settlement scheme in September 2019 for her and her son. Fifteen months on and she's still waiting for the decision on
0: her application. With the end of the transition period just a few short weeks away, will the Prime Minister give a cast-iron guarantee that my constituent's application and all other outstanding applications to the scheme will be concluded before the 31st of December, 2020.
1: Prime Minister. Well, lady, Mr. Speaker, I, I understand that the, uh, the case is, is now under urgent review and a decision will be made shortly.
0: Damien Collins. It's fantastic that we will very soon have the COVID vaccine, but extremely Concerning
2: that in a recent survey one in five people say they won't take it. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that social media companies should be doing more to remove anti-vaccine disinformation and conspiracy theories? And will he consider including requirements to do that within the scope of the government's
0: forthcoming online harms bill? Yes.
1: Prime Minister. Yes. Well, well, I'm very pleased that Facebook, Twitter and Google have committed uh, that no company should profit from or promote vaccine disinformation and to respond to that kind of, of content very quickly. And uh, we are going to be publishing our, our response shortly to the online HARMS white paper consultation, and we'll be setting out uh, our plans for, for legislation.
3: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Child poverty is evil. I know, I grew up with it.
1: The North East Child Poverty Commission reports that our region suffered the, biggest, the country's biggest increase in child poverty between 2015 and 2019, when half of children in Newcastle Central were growing up poor. And that's before COVID. And yet 15,000 of the poorest households in my constituency stand to lose £1,000 a year because of planned cuts to universal credit in April. So instead of damaging last-minute U-turns, will the Prime Minister now commit to maintaining
0: universal credit at at least the current rate? Prime Minister. Uh,
1: Mr Speaker, she's right in what she says about uh, the impact of, of child poverty. And that's why this government has... Has worked so hard uh, to uh, to combat child poverty, and and that's why uh, we did indeed uprate uh, universal credit uh, as was right for the uh, for the exceptional circumstances that that we in. thousand pounds uh, per household, and uh, we will continue to to support people throughout this country. Uh, but uh, the most important thing we can do is to ensure that we get. People into work and, and to support uh, families to to, uh, to get the jobs that they need, and it's the, the record of this country in creating jobs uh, and new jobs uh, in particular. That has meant actually that 400,000 children have been lifted out of poverty uh, in the last 10 years, and that uh, is something uh, that is progress. Is not enough, but it's progress.
3: So, Christopher Cho. Mr. Speaker, more, more than one million fellow citizens have recovered after testing positive for COVID-19. On the 2nd of November, the British Medical Journal reported that all those people will have protection from their T cells which will ensure that they cannot be reinfected for at least six months. In the light of that, will my right honourable friend follow the example of Sweden and exempt from all the COVID regulations those people who have tested positive within the last six months and thereby show that he is following the science and also common sense? Prime Minister? Well,
1: I, I, I thank uh, my rather friend for going his very well-meant suggestion and very kind, um, but uh, you know, there's, there's evidence both ways uh, on that and I think uh, that what uh, uh, everybody would expect is that everybody who does get uh, pinged, everybody who does get contacted by NHS tests and trace should follow the rules.
0: Head to Bedford with Muhammad Yassin, Yassin.
3: Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Six out of
1: ten people who have died by COVID-19 are disabled. Yet
3: during this pandemic, disabled people have seen their care cut back, struggle to isolate without sufficient support have been excluded from the government's shambolic communications. As we start Disability History Month,
1: will the Prime Minister tell the House why disabled people have been so let down by his government? Mr grateful for the, the question and I'm grateful for the campaigning that the Honourable Gentleman does on behalf of the, of this, of the disabled. But I must, I must reject what he says because, because we have done uh, everything we can to uh, reach out to disabled uh, and vulnerable groups of all kinds to give them all the advice that uh, we think is necessary and all the, uh, all the support uh, that we possibly can throughout this pandemic. I know this has been very tough uh, for people uh, and I thank people for the, for the way that they've pulled together and uh, follow the the guidance. I know it's been particularly tough, as the honourable gentleman rightly says, uh, for disabled people. But uh, what we need to do, and, and that's why we've given uh, huge quantities in in, in support, uh, as I as I as I said before, to, to the NHS and to vulnerable groups of all kinds. But the the way forward now uh, is to keep the virus under control and uh, come out of the current measures on. December the second, and uh, to allow our economy to start uh, moving again, uh, and to use testing and the prospect of a vaccination next year, uh, ready to get the disease under control.
0: Douglas Ross, thank you very much,
2: Mr. Speaker. The Prime Minister is aware of the success we've seen across Scotland through city and region growth deals, and Murray is set to benefit from both the Scottish and the UK government working together on our local deal. However, would my right honourable friend agree that the benefit to Murray could be even greater if the UK government's contribution was spread over a shorter period than the current 15 years, say 10 or less? Uh,
3: And would he agree with me that that would be something that would be very worthwhile, very beneficial and would be welcomed by everyone involved in the Murray growth deal?
1: Prime Minister. Well, I I thank my honourable friend for... This campaign, he's raised this idea with me uh, before. And uh, what I can say is, well, we'll we'll certainly uh, look at uh, what he says. I'm very glad that we've signed the heads of terms on a Murray growth deal, delivering over £30 million of investment. And I thank him uh, for the lobbying that he's been doing.
0: Let's head up to Liverpool
3: with Ian Byrne. Ian Byrne. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Professor Ian Sinner from Alderay Children's Hospital in Liverpool, West Derby. Recently stated that the environment a child develops in, even before being born, can affect its DNA detrimentally by 10%. This government is responsible for creating an environment which is pushing millions of families into food poverty, which will be shaping this terrifying outcome. I asked the Prime Minister for the second time, will he work with me and other groups to put the right to food into law to address this?
1: Prime Minister... Uh, Mr Speaker, the, the Honourable member is right to, uh, to raise the issue of, uh, of, of food uh, poverty and, uh, and poverty generally. That's why uh, in answer to the, the previous question uh, for the Honourable Lady for Newcastle, I made the point uh, that we have actually been successful uh, through championing work, championing employment, in getting families out of poverty, large numbers of families out of poverty. And that is what we are we are going to do. And as he knows, we're putting another 170 million pounds into supporting local councils uh, throughout the, the winter, so that no child uh, goes hungry this Christmas or over the uh, over the winter season through any inattention from this government. But I'm I'm grateful to him for, for raising the issue with me. I love it.
0: Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker, as the Prime Minister uh, will know, the Scottish cashmere and whisky industries are being hammered by the tariffs being imposed by the United States as a result of the trade dispute with the European Union. Now, these tariffs are now doing serious harm to these iconic Scottish products, costing us jobs in the Scottish Borders. So, can the Prime Minister reassure me the government is doing everything it possibly can to find a resolution to this dispute?
1: Uh, well, My honourable friend is is entirely right to to raise that issue. Uh, It continues to be a cause of grave concern, and I raise it repeatedly with our American friends, and uh, I'm working with uh, my honourable friend, the Secretary of State for International Trade, uh, to reach a negotiated solution uh, as fast as we possibly can. Thank you, Mr Speaker. A recent study of 18 million people in The
2: Lancet shows that black, Asian, and minority ethnic people are twice as likely as white people to catch coronavirus and more likely to go into intensive care. Lead researchers have suggested that structural inequalities and not genetics are the key differential. Mm. So how will the prime minister redress structural inequalities as the
1: vaccine is rolled out? Minister? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, he, the honourable gentleman raises a very important point. And, uh, and we are thinking about this issue in, in government right now. Uh, as he knows, in response to uh, the early data that we saw on the, uh, about the impact on uh, black and minority ethnic groups, uh, we, we have brought forward enhanced uh, testing procedures for particularly vulnerable groups, those who are exposed to a heavy viral load, perhaps in the course of their, uh, of their work. Uh, and uh, there are other factors, as he knows, uh, that uh, uh, play... In the prevalence of the disease amongst black minority ethnic groups, um, I'm sure that the point he makes uh, will be among the considerations that the uh, the Joint Committee on uh, Vaccination and Immunisation uh, uh, t- uh, takes into account in-, in the course of their uh, deciding how to to roll out the vaccine and where it should go first. Because he's he's making an important point.
0: What well, I'd like to is just put a big thank you on record to the broadcasting team for making today happen. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.